This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. There is nothing wrong with your radio. Do not attempt to adjust the frequency. We are controlling transmission. You are about to experience the awe and mystery which reaches from the inner mind to the outer limit frequency. Good evening, my name is Ricardo. My name is Sam. And this is the Outer Limit Frequency. When the humble guitar was first electrified in the 1930s, the new technology and the new sounds it could create very quickly became the talk of the music world. Over the next 60 plus years, it became one of the most prominent sounds heard across a wide strata of popular music styles. But the acoustic guitar, of course, never went away. Sure, it wasn't as cool or as sexy as its younger sibling, but many artists from different genres and walks of life were keeping the acoustic traditions alive. And those traditions continue today in even stranger and more interesting forms than ever before. Whether this is a complete stylistic choice or a one-off fancy, the acoustic album trope is well and truly established. This week's episode is looking at just a few of the different ways in which this evergreen acoustic aesthetic has manifested over the years. From 1989 to 1999, MTV ran a show called MTV Unplugged, which was musicians doing, well, doing their thing, Unplugged, it's in the name. After this, there were the odd specials here and there, but the original run is where we got all, the, all of the classics, many of which were then released as albums. The MTV Unplugged series is perhaps best known for their Eric Clapton and Nirvana albums, and while I refuse to debate the merits of Clapton right now, I would say that in regard to the Nirvana album, it's good, but there is a grunge band that did it better, because Alice in Chains did everything better. Like I said, Nirvana Unplugged is a good album, but there's something about the music of Alice in Chains and the vocals of Lane Staley that works incredibly well when stripped back. Obvious songs like Wood and Heaven Beside You are incredible here, but they were always pretty close to this sound anyway. However, songs like Sludge Factory were a bit more of a surprise.
story of English singer-songwriter Nick Drake is one of the tragic ones, and that tragedy has only enhanced the stark power of the music he left behind. For a while in the early 70s, Drake was positioned as a potential successor to Bob Dylan's acoustic folky legacy. By age 20, he was already signed to Island Records, home of Jethro Tull and Fairport Convention, and all things being equal, the world would have been his oyster from here. And while this was not meant to be, with Drake passing away suddenly at age 26, he left three incredibly rich and influential records behind. Drake's third and final album, Pink Moon from 1972, is particularly pointed and memorable. At a concise 28 minutes, the folk icon left one last article of bleak, haunted folk before shuffling off this mortal coil, forever leaving the audience wanting more. Drake himself played every instrument on Pink Moon, so nothing gets between the listener, Drake's frail croon, and the mournful strum of his acoustic guitar. And from Pink Moon, this is From the Morning. Day one storm And it was beautiful So I might be cheating here, but hear me out. Dutch symphonic metal band Epica have made something of a habit recently of releasing a smattering of songs between albums or tied on as bonus discs to albums that are just alternate versions of album tracks. The Holographic Principle, The Quantum Enigma, and most recently Omega all did this as second discs but with a variation of the name of the main album, so I'm counting it as either another album or an EP. And an EP makes more sense, so let's just go with that. 
for Omega, it was Omega Acoustic. And I'm sure you could figure out what a symphonic metal band sounds like when done acoustic. You just take out the metal. So it's a symphonic band, I guess. This is Abyss of Time.
Friday Night in San Francisco is probably the most famous live acoustic album of all time, and even if it's not, it's definitely one of the most influential. This record combines the prodigious talents of three trailblazing guitarists and it changed the perception of what the acoustic guitar could do. On the 5th of December 1980, Mahavishnu Orchestra's John McLaughlin returned to Forever's Aldo Miola and flamenco virtuoso Paca de Lucia hit the stage at the Warfield Theatre to astound the crowd with their formidable combined talent. This album is credited with legitimising the acoustic guitar as a genuine artistic instrument at the latter end of the 20th century, in the estimation of many, and it proves that this is just as flashy and as cool as the electrified counterpart. Friday Night in San Francisco became the measuring stick for all serious, acoustically-minded guitar-wank conversations for decades to come. And this is Guardian Angel. Thank you. 
So technically, I told you I was freaky by Flight of the Concords is not at all an acoustic album. However, Flight of the Concords are an acoustic band, so it's our rules. I mean, for the most part, this album is acoustic, except for the electric stuff. Um, Look, I just really like the song Carol Brown, so I'm going to play it. Loretta Broke my heart in a letter She told me she was leaving and her life would be better Joan Broke it off over the phone After the tone She left me alone Jen said she'd never ever see me again When I saw her again She said it again Jan Met another man Lisa got amnesia Just forgot who I am Felicity Said there was no electricity Emily no chemistry Fran ran who's turned out to be a man Flow had to go I couldn't go with the flow Carol Brown just took a bus out of town But I'm hoping that you'll stick around From the past. He says he'll do one thing and then he goes and does another thing. Oh, who organized all of my ex girlfriends into a choir and got them to sing? ever gotten quite so much out of the acoustic guitar as Rodrigo y Gabriela. The pair made a huge splash in the 2000s with little but a pair of unplugged six strings to their name. 
Their unique sound owes much to the acoustic guitar's innate musicality, and a huge part of their sonic footprint involves the playing of the guitar bodies percussively. Sure, by 2021, their style has evolved to include other tools, including, indeed, electric guitars, as well as piano, violins, and even, blasphemously, the human voice. And none of this is even to mention their thunderous metal and jazz covers as of late that have pushed them to their limits stylistically. But those early albums were pure showcases of what two people with unplugged six-strings could do. Through dedication to their craft, Rodrigo and Gabriela have embodied the modern ideal of what an acoustic album should be. And from their self-titled album, this is Satori. Thank you. 
There was a time in the mid-90s where Ben Harper could have become the next big thing in folk music. While Harper has proven himself time and time again to be a multi-talented musician, capable of turning his hands to most styles of music, his earliest work was heavily rooted in blues, reggae and folk, all genres that favour the earnestness of acoustic instrumentation. His 94 debut, Welcome to the Cruel World, was made almost entirely in the acoustic tradition of Harper's Heroes. While this clashed severely with the downtune sound that was so in vogue at the time, it validated Harper's approach to put the substance of his music before the style. It didn't take him long to outgrow these humble beginnings, leaning more heavily on pop and rock sensibilities as he grew as an artist. But every few years, Ben Harper finds an excuse to go back to those raw, unplugged roots. And even if the results are never quite as spectacular, it's always a pleasure to have Mr Harper remind us from where he came. From Welcome to the Cruel World, this is Ben Harper, with pleasure and pain. I'm leaving here on the morning train And I will never see this world again Oh, I
Musical theatre-esque style of Poets of the Fall means that they lend themselves extremely well to acoustic music. Much of their music is a more slow ballad style, which, yeah, obviously does well acoustically. So when the pandemic hit and plans for touring for pretty much the entire musical world was put on hold, Poets of the Fall decided that they were going to perform anyway in an empty theatre, specifically the Alexander Theatre in Finland. Each of the songs were released sporadically throughout 2020 on YouTube, and at the end of it all, they released a lot of them on an album titled, rather fittingly, The Alexander Theatre Sessions. This was also, to me at least, straight up one of the best albums of last year, in a year of very few good albums. This is Children of the Sun. Don't know it all. You'll be scaling the wall, the higher. 
of course Beck has made an acoustic album, because at this rate he's rapidly running out of things he hasn't done yet. But you might not know that his first acoustic album was released over 20 years ago. Mutations came out in 98, which means it was sandwiched between the wildly eclectic Odelay and the freewheeling neo-funk of Midnight Vultures. You see, Beck had been writing and performing acoustic slacker punk and country-style tunes since he was a teenager, so Mutations was more of a homecoming than it was the left turn it might have appeared to be. Despite its meagre success, the album's warm reception paved the way for Beck's future acoustic and mellow adult contemporary projects, such as the Grammy-winning Morning Phase. So, if it weren't for songs like Bottle of Blues, Beck would never have gotten to meet Kanye. Comfort for a soul to suit Ain't it hot, ain't it hot The 
want somebody who doesn't want you Holding hands with an impotent Jew In a brothel of fake energy Put a nickel in a graveyard machine I get higher and lower I get higher and lower Like a tired soldier would never be shooting No one loses Bottle of blue Bottle of blue Metal maestro Devin Townsend is no stranger to acoustic. I mean, he's really no stranger, like Beck, to anything, as throughout his career he has done a fair amount of experimenting. There's a decent amount of acoustic songs on his albums, but a couple of times he's made a point of going full-on acoustic with live albums, as he does like to do shows like this quite often. One of these being Devotion Series 1, a live recording from Leeds released just this year. But for tonight, we're going back a little further to his 2011 live EP, Unplugged. And while this may be the most common name that an acoustic album could possibly have, the EP itself is pretty bloody good. Whichever of these albums I chose, though, the song would be the same. This is ER.
bands to have released an acoustic album for a lark, I'm going to rank Melvin's as being one of the least likely. The sludge punk icons have never shied away from doing things a little strangely, and this year's five-legged dog is no exception to that ideology. Since Melvin's are the kings of giving you what you want, but in a way you don't want them to, Five-Legged Dog contains 36 tracks with a running time of nearly four hours. You want an acoustic album? Fine. Here's precisely too much acoustic album for you to enjoy. This gargantuan set is punctuated with covers for variety, but like many Melvin fans, what I wanted to see was how some of my favourite tracks translated into this new format. The results are mixed because of that much material they pretty much have to be. But they are also intriguing, and I expected no less. It's also worth pointing out that frontman King Buzzo actually released his own solo acoustic album in 2014, so Five Legged Dog didn't quite come out of nowhere. Still a trip, though.
Thank you once again for joining us on the Outer Limit Frequency and our look at acoustic albums or EPs or whatever acoustic stuff we felt like doing when it actually came to it. But yeah, if you liked what you heard, jump onto Spotify and check out some of our old episodes. There's a whole lot of them there waiting for you. And since you're tuning in next week, we're going to be looking at another genre study. This time it is post-rock. If you're wondering what post-rock is, it's kind of like rock, but it's not. Not clear enough? We'll see you next week. See you then.
episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.